Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello. And Jules Gill. Hello. On the grand return of this thing in 2020, did we do another one before now? I don't know if we did. No. No, this is the first one back. This might be the first one this in a, a bold new world. The first podcast of 2020, so there are lots of eyes and ears on us now, so guys, we cannot mess this Sweet up. Sweet Jesus. It's very important. We've got a story to tell, and we should tell it well. Well, speaking of stories, I, uh, I sketched out a thing based on video game stories, because I spent most of the last few days playing a lovely little indie game called uh, The Red Strings Club, um, which I'll get into in a bit later. It's been on, um, it came out on PC in 2018. It's been like a, I think it was a Kickstarter thing, or a crowdfunded thing, um, but I got the Switch one. Um, I'll get into that in a bit, but I just wanted to talk about um, how awesome stories in games are, because I'm going to oh, put yeah. it to you guys as a question, that I think games tell stories better than any other medium. You, you mentioned think? this mm. before we came in, actually, yeah. and I kind of glossed over it, because I was like, that is a mad just statement. Just talking in general. I, I, don't, oh. I don't know what I think about that. There he goes again. And with about half an hour of thought, I still don't know what I think about that, Scott Taylor, <laughs> but I think they're, they're capable of being so unique and resonating in such a unique way through like the synergy between mechanics and conventional like mm. narrative storytelling. It does that when when a gaming story hits it hits better than anything else if that makes sense <laughs> my thing was i read an article a while ago that said that like gaming is the amalgamation of every other artistic skill mm. like even from even like uh, the likes of architecture and creating like 3d spaces and you know because like that whole thing with like the witness like jonathan blow hired an, uh, uh, like a, a team of like builders and architects to like try and visualize how that island would work in real 3d space mm. and it's so that like you know as much as that game is kind of whimsical and over the top or whatever um it still conforms to actual architectural principles and i just remember i remember thinking at that time i was like yeah everything rolls into video games and obviously i'm going to focus on storytelling and script writing yeah. and narrative and thematics um but what, where do you come down on that Jules? well if you look at the sort of different mediums of art that exist uh, every single one of them engages its audience in a completely different way you've got a more passive some would say in terms of cinema where you are you sit down you watch you are told a story you have no influence over it but you can feel for the character obviously because you insert yourself mm -hmm. into it and obviously you uh, react to the stimulants going on you've got like paintings and art and sculpture where you look at it and it's literally your interpretation of an event that tells a story. Now, video games are interesting because of the fact that you are sold immediacy like that is what makes it feel so much more impactful mm. because you are in control of the avatar. If they get hurt, that is you getting hurt. Things like having rumble fee feedback on controllers and stuff like that. It's another way of making that 4D. Like, like, like you know, you Do are... when they came in and it was like, oh, it's going to feel like driving a car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting playing Circuit Breakers. Like, this is nothing like well, we're, we're joking about this now, but that's literally what the PlayStation 5 is being sold on. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, feedback controls. And, and, and then you've got, you've got VR as well that is obviously like mm. so immersive because it is literally like your one-to-one movie. Movement. It tells its story like in very different ways. However, my stance 
at the start of this podcast, and I hope that you'll change it, is that <laughs> uh, video games do not tell stories uh, better than uh, other mediums. I'm not saying that like it's potentially unquantifiable, but the reason being that when you are telling a story, you put out all the cutscenes on paper and you watch it and you go like, yeah, that's actually a brilliant story mm. that's telling you. Gameplay can take you out of that because it, mm. it's like if you put all of the um, story elements together you might realize that that's epic grand story that you were thinking of it's actually pretty bare bones on paper because right. you were actually fleshing it out with just hours and hours of plodding around doing mm -hmm. hacking and slashing and biting and Try ripping and tearing, yeah, yeah, ripping and, and tearing. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I think obviously, like gaming has that sort of active agency thing. But for mm. me, that's what makes it like even better. Like, I like that I'm I'm plotting a course through this world. It depends how it's done. Mm. Um, there's obviously like a lot of balance. Like GTA 4 had that whole thing around ludo narrative dissonance and like you know the idea that you can play Nico in a way that is different to the way he's portrayed in cutscenes. Um, but for me, it's not like every video game does it better than you know book or film. But for me, it's like like they roll all those things together. Like you cite cutscenes, it's like well that's film. You you know yeah. script writing is more like book. So there's stuff that's way more uh, text heavy like red strings is very much a very text heavy game mm -hmm. um so it's like you know if i just read through that with the descriptions rather than just taking it in like yeah. would that have worked in the same way it's i don't want to jump into my examples too much too oh yeah soon, i should but, mention uh, that we all have examples of stuff that we're going to mention along the way mm -hmm. too yeah but i'm thinking of like when i was playing a night in the woods that story works so well because you're playing through the cycle of this same like monotonous day of like you're living in between spaces you're back at home with your parents you don't have a job mm -hmm. and you're trying to just do the same sort of routine over and over again and that works so well in a video game form because you have to play that day over and over again so you get used to the familiarity of it and the safety of it and then also you know the monotony of it you don't think you would get that in a film because the a film wouldn't mm. have time to dedicate you know that much sort of story space to showing you the same series of events over and over again I do think it makes it more impactful as well because you're actively you know involved in it even a book mm. which obviously has way more you know luxury to spend its time you know going mm. into sort of the minutiae of what your character's feeling or their day-to-day -day activities. Mm. I still don't think that sort of cycle of driving home a narrative point through kind of actively being involved in it like yeah. works as well as it does in that movie. Like, mm. if you were to, like, say, Jules, I, I want to watch this film. It's called The Life and Times of Johnny Grimes. Like, I would sit down with you, and if it was just watching him go to work and work and then come home, I would be like, this is incredibly boring because mm. you're not showing me anything that is outside of my real life and you want to escape the monotony of those things. But like you were saying, when you're playing it, when you are in control of, like, hmm, do I want to go and have a coffee with James or do I want to go and potentially hit it off with the new HR person that's come in and try and make new mm. friends it's like those tiny choices suddenly mean a lot more because you're like oh my involvement in this is well, so much greater I, it's like why people play The Sims The mm, Sims mm. is on paper potentially one of the most boring games in the world I, I'm not so, like I know that loads, I know yeah exactly because it is just life why would you want to <laughs> spend your life going home playing another person's life when you're just trying to get them jobs albeit very fun and comedic way that they've done <laughs> The Sims fandom aren't going to pop out of the sky <laughs> take well, us it, down. It's just, I, I always I always worry that we'll just see those um, uh, giant green triangle, like like what the, what the prisms, <laughs> the prism <laughs> yeah, will yeah. float along and it'll be like, it'll be like the Borg. You just go like, you have been assimilated. Just, like, well, I thought we called the guy that invented the Sims, but he just sort of descends down and yeah. is in charge of it all. Will Sharp, I oh, wonder, is that Will his Sim. Will yeah, yeah, Mr. Called. Sim, yeah. Uh, similar, yeah. I mean, in regards to that one, you mentioned something before about Jimmy Grimes. I'll recommend a film called The Lovely Life of Jimmy Grimble, which oh, like, wow, I people did, will know. know. <laughs> Lovely little football film. Um, another thing was um, Pivot into like that idea of like interactivity because mm. I always find when a game posits a choice like well actually I was going to mention before when you said about you know the mundanity of some scenarios in games like for me Edith Finch and you've got this as one of your examples Josh but like 
you know, if if a game was just about following someone around a house or like, you know, it was a very like mundane situation. Um, and if in game form, I'll take that. Like, you know, you can just give me like just a character standing in a completely white room and I'll sit and think, oh, what does it mean? What does it mean to walk around? Oh, I feel really lonely and isolated. And oh my God, it's going for all these different things. But <laughs> if I was watching it in the film, I would get bored to tears. Yeah. And it, it, for me, it is that agency in it um, and that interactivity in it. Have you seen, uh, you guys have seen um, Ghost Story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is, the, the, I'm thinking of the right one. It's the, the, one the pie scene. The, right, that's exactly what I was going to yeah, bring yeah, up. Yeah. Right, the pie scene is the perfect example of this because if I was watch, if I was playing in a video game and it gave me a prompt to eat the pie and I, like I had to like get all of these like little like dials spinning, you know, when the old Tiger Woods games, you had to hit the power <laughs> meter and get the pie level up and get your fork in at the right angle. Great, that, that could be the most immersive bit of gameplay ever. In that film, it went from being oh this is pretty intense to God this is really intense to. God, this is really boring now. <laughs> I'm laughing at this now. Oh, it's got really intense again. Uh, oh, now she's eating we'll the whole clarify, pie. <laughs> yeah, Ghost Story has a scene where a character eats a pie for about 25 minutes, just just fully eats a pie. Josh has a genuinely amazing take on this. It's seven minutes long, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? I yeah, like yeah. It feels it like feels a lot of like it's 25 minutes. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the um the reality of that scene, which is like a whole you know part of like reading film and game and stuff, is that like it can like yeah maybe it's meant to make you feel a negative emotion. Yeah. Like your one of your takes on Josh was like you know like it is meant to make you feel like what it's like going through a grieving process and somewhat taking your anger out on this pie just being mm. like oh my god all I have is this thing but the but the thing is is that like film is basically a game with an audience it's basically trying mm. to tell them a story then tell them the subtext and do it in a fair way it's like the same with video games in, in mm. that sense the pie scene <laughs> I know that we'll move on from this pie scene eventually <laughs> is that you get everything you need to get out of that within three minutes the fact that it's elongated is basically just the director just going, oh, I'm so torturous and that mean. That kind of oh, aren't, aren't I just awful trying to make you experience some of the same things? It's like, yes, but we already got it. Mm -hmm. Like, now you're you're now you're infuriating us from doing it. It's kind of like by by purposefully dragging it out, it did make that point. I don't know if you want to mention it. I know it's like a it's a hell of a movie on many levels. Yeah, we yeah. We, is this now the pie cast? This is the pie cast now. <laughs> Come on. Top 10 pies you won't believe. Um, uh, yeah, well, well, I think that's when it comes to like those scenes in movies though i feel like we are we are more standoffish with them if you're not in the mood I for totally that, am, yeah. like then you, you don't go with it whereas in a game you're already invested because you've got this active uh participation mm -hmm. in it so when something like that might happen mm -hmm. i feel like you're more you want to give it the benefit of the doubt because it doesn't feel like wasted time in a game if yeah. you have a, a seven minute sequence when you're eating a pie in a game and that's all you're doing that's part of potentially you know 40 hours of gameplay whereas mm -hmm. if you have it in a movie that's seven minutes out of a 90 minute movie it feels more substantial mm -hmm. and you might get a bit more annoyed of it because you're thinking what else could be could be and you're aware that you're just sitting there time. Yeah, well, yeah. A, a lot of people got annoyed at the ending of um, Death Stranding like, I'm not going to spoil what happens but I you you, it, you told me that it goes into a two hour cutscene so what you do is that's you, not what I hate but yeah but you play effectively 40 hours plus of a video game to be fed a movie mm -hmm. so that changes the entire relationship that, between the, the player audience yeah and like, having his cake and wanting to eat it too mm. but that's very much him going like well this and pie. his pie, <laughs> yeah, he's very much a, a filmic auteur, but he likes to. He, he's always straddled between both sides, and obviously, he's then got on to say that he wants to make movies and animes and TV shows going wow, forward. Wow, duh. Which, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, and for years, he's been saying he wants to be a director. So, like in that case, he wants to try and do both. Um, but they kind of clash because it's mm. like, well, you could have done the storytelling like you know more interactively or more like as a more through line thing beforehand, rather than putting your audience on the back foot and treating them as, as passive again. Like that passive active thing is always the core of it for me. I want to be engaged. Um, and so I think, well, actually the only thing I was going to mention was like when games give you choices, um, I don't know if you have the same quandary as I do where it's like, you know, a game asks you, you know, do you want to see this or this? Do you want to do this or this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, for me, it's always like three different ways. It's like, what do I want to see as the player? What should the character do? Or like, um, or what do I think they would, what do I, yeah, it's like, um, 
the hell did I, I, I wrote this down. So, I, but, yeah, I know what you mean, where it's basically <laughs> like, you've got your choice that you're doing it for them, the choice that you do it for you, and then usually yes. the choice that's just like, I have no idea, this is just something yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I had it written yeah. down as like, yeah, what is what is what do I want, what does the character want, or what do I want to see? Yeah. So it's like, you yeah. know, my personal morals versus like, oh, that sounds like a cool action thing if I do that, um, versus like, oh, but the character makes sense to do this. Like, I remember clashing with that in GTA 4, yeah. where it's like, okay, like, I guess I would take this character out because this is a big bad villain, but yeah. I don't feel like Nico would, and that kind of not being a the, thing. It's one of the biggest problems that I've got with the Dead Rising franchise mm. is that I, I adore those games because of their like the weird time structure mm. mechanic and the sort of like craziness that you can have in it. But I hated every single time that you would go from shoving a bucket with drills onto somebody's head <laughs> and going, lol, there's a teddy bear with a minigun <laughs> to then two scenes later just going, the tragedy of human life. Yeah. I cannot believe yeah. we are so expendable. Oh, woe is me. Tragedy, tragedy. And uh, it's just like, no, no, no. This tonal flippancy is just like, it's, it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. I think we've like over the past few years we've, we've gotten better at sort of dealing with that ludo narrative dissonance in a way like mm. I feel like games when they started telling more mature stories also had a problem with kind of gamifying morality in a way mm. like when you played through Mass Effect 1 for me which I love mm. I was when I first tried it I was tempted to do um, you know Paragon choices for this or Renegade choices for that like you know depending on what I thought about the mm -hmm. situation at the time. But then that wasn't the optimum way to play that game because if mm -hmm. you wanted to unlock all of the dialogue options, you had to either be entirely Paragon or entirely Renegade. Otherwise you got to punch the journalist in the face, Exactly, job. otherwise yeah. you'd get to late on in that game and you would get to a point where you were talking to a character who will die unless you have unlocked these options. Yeah. But you can't have unlocked those options if you were trying to, you know tore that line of morality mm. you have to either be all good or all bad and I do think we've gotten away with that like for me Red Dead Redemption 2 and I, don't, I, don't, I know Scott doesn't entirely agree with this but mm. I think when um, you're playing as Arthur Morgan in that game I feel like that game does everything it can to encourage you to play as Arthur Morgan and not who right. not role play as you know some random cowboy mm. I feel like his personality for me at least is very much defined and then you're making those choices not based on what you want to see or what you want to happen but what you think he would do in the situation mine was the total opposite yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I you start out that game knowing how much bad stuff he's done. Therefore, yeah. it sets mm. a tone that you can either have a redemptive arc or that he begins in that. It's like, I love the idea of setting up characters so that your stories uh, actually make sense for them. Like, it's why I keep banging on about Fallout New Vegas is like, for me, mm. the courier is the best like character you can get in the Fallout universe because... Uh, they existed before the vaults. They weren't a vault people, so they, they understand. Yeah, they understand how caps work. They're not freaked out suddenly by that because I hated how many times you would go out of the vault and immediately just go, "Oh, I better just pick up this big collection of bottle caps because I instinctively <laughs> know that this is money." It's a super it's, I know what that is. It makes sense, and therefore the choices derided from that go like, "Oh, well, he's going to have a history. Like, well, they're going to have a history that, that means you can mm -hmm. act in a, any way you want because they've got a clean slate, but have knowledge of the world around mm -hmm. them." Yeah, I think that's like a great example because compared to Fallout Three when you, you, you get your entire history up until the point you leave the vault in that game, you literally play it through your birth and then your childhood. Yeah. You get <laughs> yeah. to know the people. You get to know your father who you're chasing down throughout the wasteland. So it always felt a bit incongruous when you could just go out and also shoot some guys in the face or nuke an entire town on a whim <laughs> yeah, I know. and then meet up with your dad and he's like, oh, dude, I'm a bit disappointed with that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I thought I taught you how I raised you. Slap, Slap of the wrist. wrist. Slap of the wrist. <laughs> but also, I kind of need you to help yeah. me with this water purifier yeah. so I'll just push that under the rug. Push yeah. that trauma away. But, it, like... But, but Fallout's a good example of a game that has, a, on paper, the story itself is just kind of a bit wishy-washy they, yeah. because they don't put so much emphasis on it because they want you to go out and explore. But then you've got games that are like The Last of Us which, or like God of War, which tell these immersive, really emotional storytelling moments. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, what culture gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. But then have like little sections of, or lots, lots of action in between. Mm. You're just kind of like, huh, this, I wonder if I would enjoy the story so much if it was fed so, I'm trying, like I'm trying to, I'm try, yeah, I'm trying mm. to word this correctly because I don't want to come across and piss people off who are fans of the game, but it's just the gameplay of the fighting and action is not bad, but ask yourself. It's not what, recommendable did, for that. Did, did it ever get too much? Did mm. it take away from the story? Work Because there were times in God of War where I would go off exploring, go back to the main quest, and they'd be like, oh, we're going to go get this magic chisel now. And I'm like, magic chisel? What? I, hold on a minute. I've did got I, ashes to deliver. Yeah, I was like, when did my story of just going up the top of the mountain get so needlessly <laughs> right. complicated? Uh-huh. Like, that wouldn't make a good film. Yeah, I realized. Yeah. I realized this. Like God of War, the the story, the way it tells its story, would be a bad film because every single time it'd be like, ah, sorry, pal, you haven't got it. They've gamified See, a story of going from A to B. So yeah, you go from A to A to Z. To, to encapsulate A. the the point that I would like, I'm making overall though is that it doesn't need a film because no, it's no, no, already no. done exemplary and perfect in that version. But of this it. is the thing that we're trying to talk about before mm. with um, uh, doing stories well. This is a story that only works in games yeah. or potentially a book. 
Well, another thing with uh, game, like having something in game is that we spend way more time with those characters. Like mm-hmm. the reason that The Last of Us lands so well is that you spend about 20, 30 hours with the, with that couple of Joel and Ellie and same in, in God of War with Kratos and Atreus. Um, so that when things happen with those characters, like just by sheer fact of you hanging out with them, exposure to that you know, dynamic for that long, like that is something that movies are never going to be able to replicate. The, a book is closer in terms of time read, but oh, I still don't think it's the same. Like I was genuinely, like genuinely annoyed mm. when uh, Boy decided <laughs> to have a little go through his teen phase yeah and oh that stuff, is genius like, like, I, right do you know what i i've not experienced the level of emotional range like right. with with a game in a long long time mm. and i was sat there just going like oh you know this is really really fun oh they're, they're starting to bond or he's starting to warm up to him oh, it's gonna be really really good he's gonna like t- pat him on the back right. give him a little like thumbs up and it's gonna be great and then he goes through the team and i'm like no you were so <laughs> close to, to being okay and now you're not like- okay again and now thankfully everything is seemingly on the up uh, and, uh, that specific thing because you haven't finished God of War yet oh that, I'm getting um, very close to the end specific, I'm getting worried dude <laughs> you'll see you'll see but that, that specific bit with the Atreus for me was Sony Santa Monica and I've mentioned this so many times before because I love it how much they are addressing what Kratos was before in the earlier games yeah. just this big you know rage face emoji who didn't care about anybody um, and was just you know a, a cipher to just be a walking fatality and that was his thing and I love that you get to see the different perspective where mm-hmm. right? he's like oh man this sucks to be around someone like this yeah. and like you know and they need to have more to them and like obviously that frames the way that that character goes over time um, but I love that stuff um, I was going to sort of like um, end on like that idea that because David Cage once said with uh, Fahrenheit <laughs> David Cage good old Mr. David Cage man who would say he's at the forefront of narrative choices <laughs> in gaming but who seems to forever have his own shoelaces I love that he's around you know like, like um, yeah I'm glad he exists stories I really love I mm. like that he's all in on it but I mean well, yeah, D- David David Cage is the type of man who pushes <laughs> to the front of a queue only for everyone else in the queue to turn the other way around and that he's at the back again. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that he said back when uh, Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy first came out um, was that he wanted you to go through that game and whatever choices you make, you live with those choices. You never, you, you didn't want you to go back through the game and change it. Um, same with Heavy Rain. It was like, if you went downstairs on that first day um, and you drank the juice out the fridge, then you know that your character in that moment, on that story, drank that juice and that's a thing to live with. And so I, I I like that person because I think I like the idea that in a game that is so story driven that you can you have to live with your consequences. Mm-hmm. But how much does that clash with replayability and things that are inherent to gaming as a medium? Because you were mentioning this before we came in, Jules, that like you might go back and change something, or you might want to, or you can. I just find I find David Cage's uh, way of telling stories really strange. Mm. That he's constantly saying that uh, his games are beyond uh, beyond a simple A to B story. Mm but that he uses cinematic conventions to tell them actually inhibits any actual gameplay. So what we (laughs) boil down to are just button prompts and quick time events. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel like there's as much emotion in them because I feel like I'm just paying money to watch a very long cutscene. Right. And I don't know. I've never really resonated with them. I find that the stories that he wants to tell, like on paper, are Mm. great. Like... um, uh, what's it called Detroit. again? The human Detroit. Yeah. It, like th- I read about all of that, and I thought this sounds fascinating. Like it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But then after seeing people play it, I'm like, it's so on the nose. He's such like, a bad writer. <laughs> it's it, it's I don't know. It, it's like a bad movie with an incredibly high budget. Yeah, I mm-hmm. couldn't get past the the sheer script writing of it. But the, there are some worthwhile thematics. Like you and Ben Roy have like mentioned the positives way more than me. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that um, much more. And I think it was because of the reasons like he actually said. You know, when I was playing, mm-hmm. I would never play that again to see the different endings. Mm-hmm. It, it works 
so well for me because in I got right to the end with a couple of characters in it, and then they just died really unceremoniously. And I thought that's cool that I could have that happen so far mm. in, and I and didn't feel like it was the wrong ending, even though it technically is. I mm-hmm. didn't have any real urge to go back and think, oh man, that's not how it should have gone. I should have right. changed that because it ultimately even though it perhaps cut the character arcs a little short, it, it worked in the context mm. of the story and it kind of gave that a bit more power. So I like the fact that in those games, even if they're not always the most well-written, you do have to live with those tiny choices because what I used to sort of wrestle with, especially when we played Telltale games, mm-hmm. was like the illusion of choice. Those games were sold on the fact that your decisions matter. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, you know, it boils down to, well, they don't really because they don't change the game much. But mm. for me, that's not like the be all and end all. Like they must make you feel like they that's make you really feel, yeah. yeah, they make you feel like what you're doing is impactful or changing things. They make they make it feel that every single conversation is sort of going to amount to something. Because it ultimately does. Like mm. it, it, the journey is just as important as the destination. And even if there's only a, a couple of destinations to eventually get to, mm. each individual player's, you know, journey to that is going to be slightly different and mm-hmm. in, in work you know, on an emotional level slightly differently depending on those little choices you made that don't really mean anything but, but also but, but, add to the overall mm-hmm. tapestry. The but that, that's, yeah. that's important. Mm-hmm. I'd say that the Telltale Walking Dead games are so successful, like you say, because of those things. Whereas games that focus so much on choosing everything and having all that, they create massive like logic gaps for their stories because you'll have, um, what's the uh, Man of Medan that mm-hmm. came out? Like the choices that you make in there, suddenly like characters will die off screen. You won't have a clue what's going on because of the fact you made choices there. But the de- developers were like oh it's because you were in control of it and it's like sometimes players shouldn't be given that choice because Mm. you're actually affecting the quality of the story i totally agree that um being front and center and taking responsibility for your avatar immersive gameplay that is that is a good way to tell the story Mm. but it is dependent on how it affects the story you are telling is the can the story not be that though that there are like constant consequences i would argue i would argue that the best stories in video games are linear experiences Mm. like or uh, i i it's one of those things where like if you're told a story Mm. and you're told it well through gameplay that's fascinating but if i'm there and i've made the wrong choices and hadn't even known that i've made the bad choices i might sit there just going well, this story, A, doesn't make sense, has plot holes. I didn't enjoy it because I yeah. didn't feel like it was a satisfying thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of like, that's where the David Cages separate from the Telltale mm. Walking Dead season ones. Like, but Telltale um, will be always held up as people yeah. saying it's one of the favorite sto- games, but everyone out there will be like, oh, it's because of the choices as well. You got to but like you guys have just highlighted, you're not really making a choice. Because it's te- because, one, yeah. because it has its story underneath as the backbone that it's. St- that it's like, I mean, like to, I mean, we we should do a, a part two of this because we, mm. we have like examples to pick pick from. But something like Red Strings Club, there are characters in that that can totally die and be taken out of the story altogether. Um, but they like they weave them into the like every other more main character way more effectively. Um, and I think that there are games that do that more. Like there there are better storytellers than David Cage that oh, have yeah. accounted for. Okay, if this person dies and gets taken out, then we still have this meaningful thing to do. Um, you know, it's it's it is one of those things where I think that the gameplay or the worthwhile thing can be that choice. Yeah. And then if you get left, I mean, my thing with Red Dead 2 was that I got the bad ending um, and my, like, I mean, spoilers for like a couple of year old game, like my, someone died and, uh, and it was a big deal. And um, and I was like, that felt, I felt like I was totally robbed of that character because I was like, yeah. well, I didn't do anything to deserve this, I don't think, but that, mm. then that happened and that felt um, really disappointing and like whatever. But for the vast majority, I think it depends how authored it feels. Mm. Like yeah. if, you know, if they want to give you that choice and take this character away and like, oh, it feels like that was supposed to happen. Well, As opposed to like XCOM where I'm like, okay, I lost a percentage roll. I'm going to go back and do it again. Something like that. Yeah, but scum, I know that's a story, but scum saving. Scum well, saving. 
think, right? Would you apply scum saving to something that is clearly a meaningful narrative choice yeah. or live with that consequence and that's intentional? You're yeah. supposed to have, oh man, you messed up. That guy's dead now. It always comes down to the ending. Like, like mm. uh, we could sit here and just go about like what's the, what the stories are and how they tell them, but it comes down to the ending. If you don't stick the landing on the ending, then fans are only ever going to remember that because it's the mm. last impression that you leave. It is the culmination of all their air quotes mm. choices, whether real or not. And games like Mass Effect 3 got dragged through the mud mm. for it. If you take that away and just left it at 99%, people would probably... I'm argue with you. What, people would just be like, this is a really great trilogy. I would, just, I would say there's fundamental problems in Mass Effect 3 the whole way through. Yeah, but, that's a yeah, separate yeah. But, but, but it wasn't enough to step, make you go, right, okay, this is a terrible franchise. You would just right. step away from it just going like, that was a good franchise. Yeah, yeah. The like, ending was weaker. Yeah, but, or the last one was weaker, but it wasn't like. Yeah, yeah it was. Solid. It wasn't like down into the toilet yeah. until that sort of like the choice system at the end that everyone got so mm. annoyed about. Because but, um, how do you wrap up a story like that? That's yeah. a real question. Sticking to the like, original plan and not bidding it. <sighs> yeah, that's true. But I think with Mass Effect, you saw the sort of cracks in the <clears> entire structure coming through, even in Mass Effect Two, which is <clears> perhaps my favorite game of all time. So you went into you know the first one and you were told that everything you make will have consequences maybe in the next game or the game after that mm -hmm. and then you got into Mass Effect 2 and you realised that sometimes it just amounted to an email you got from someone yeah. from the first game <laughs> yeah. and you thought and then it became apparent that this is the scope of this is so large. There's no way you can, you know, you, you, you can't off, satisfy everything. You can't yeah. pay off everyone's individual choices in a satisfying way that remains authored and like interesting. Mm. I do think they bit off more than they can chew. And mm -hmm. I think that's why we have seen a lot of games sort of go back from that. Like you don't get many games now that, that I think carry through saves from game one to game mm -hmm. two and game three. You can change things around. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I do feel like that's sort of come alongside, you know, player freedom being something you can take off, a like take off the marketing yeah. box, you know. Right. We put so much stock in, you know, letting the player do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But like you said, Jules, sometimes if you just do that for the sake of doing it, that comes at the cost of that can be the, detriment. the power yeah. of the storytelling. Like Gears of War 5, I love the story of that game, but there's a moment towards the end where you have a choice to save one character or another. And I couldn't help but think, even though it was emotional at the time, like think what how more impactful it would have been had they just followed through on one, mm. one yeah. through-line decision because then that will impact the next game. And now you already know that going into Gear 6, one of those characters has to be sidelined because I can't imagine them giving them... They're going to have to canonize one of them. Yeah. They're going to have to do the yeah. Ashley and yeah. Caden thing of they, they still exist, but they can't be part of the main plot because that's just <laughs> far too much work. Mm. Whereas in Night in the Woods again, going back to that, you in that you have a decision where you have to hang out with a bunch of friends but mm -hmm. because there's only so much time in the day you have to choose one friend or another mm -hmm. and then effectively I haven't seen half of that game's gameplay because I chose to hang out with one friend and sort of ignore the other mm -hmm. but that, I think that works so well because that's like real life you only have so yeah. much time yeah. you yeah. only hang out with so many people and it sucks that you don't get to you know experience life with that other person and it, you go through like you know everything you want to do it but mm -hmm. that left such an impact to me because I was like that is that's but so that, truthful you know that felt so authored and intentional that yes. you're, you're living yes. with that negative choice quote yeah. unquote but yeah it works that's it, that's it. I, think, I, think it, I think that's an important thing actually the negative choice is still a choice like yes. doing nothing is still impactful. you don't want to feel like you're missing out it's on not, something yeah exactly it's mm. not missing out on something because that still means something yeah but that yeah. was all part of its story was yeah. to make you experience time and pressure in that sense and I think that we all seem to be flirting around the same idea that video games need to have agency in order to tell a story differently to uh, mm. film and art and things like that but this choice seems to be the issue because it's either a marketability thing 
or it, <laughs> that comes at the expense of um, its uh, own story because they have to like patch holes every which mm. way, or they deliver a linear experience and people complain that they don't feel like they felt like they had a, mm. d- a course to go on. I think um, The Last of Us, I mean, we can wrap this pod soon, mm-hmm. but I think The Last of Us, uh, the end of The Last of Us, where they, like the, <clears throat> any other game would have given you the choice whether you save Ellie or not. Yes. I love that they commit to that. Like the, you, know, you start walking towards the final, the first surgeon and the game takes over, Joel kills the surgeon, right, you've done that now. You've quote unquote done that. You're playing as Joel, that's what you have to live with. Um, for me, I love that. I think that it's, that's almost like the perfect middle ground. Am I, am I imagining then? Have I, have I experienced a uh, complete illusion of choice in that? Did, did we not choose to kill the surgeon? You can kill him before the animation kicks in, but Joel kills him anyway. Amazing. Because I, I did, him, I, I just, I, I killed him. Yeah. I also, I didn't even, I, I didn't I, even know that it was a, that was a script. If, if you just walk towards him, if you're trying to be pacifist, yeah. you walk towards him, Joel gets the scalpel and kills him anyway. Holy but, like, crap. But if you I didn't chose know to that. do it, then that's kind of cool. Because I did that too. I just flamethrowed them. I was like, whatever. But, but like, that shows how much <laughs> of it, like, how powerful that story was that I didn't even know or accept that there yeah. was an alternative. That great... was the driving force of get her out of there. Yeah, and that's why it works so well. There's a great uh... moment, um, one of the Telltale devs said about season one where the first zombie attack where you get the hammer off the um, the kitchen counter and you yeah. hit the zombie. Um, it dies after like three hits, but you can hit it for another 10 hits or something. And they said in all their play sessions and to this day, everyone just keeps hitting it to make sure it's dead. Amazing. It's like little sort of like blurring the lines, things like that, where they subtly give you an extra choice. Um, but it's that's like... That that isn't a different version of the illusion of choice. I think they, that, that naughty dog or, you know, do it. Yeah, but that's, that's very cool. Yeah, and something like, yeah, the saving Ellie, it's like you're so invested in the character at that point. Mm. That for me, is something that you would never get in film. That's It almost brings it full circle. Mm. Like it makes it more worthwhile. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> that was the ending. As my throat keeps giving up, <laughs> and not to worry. Um, but yeah, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, goodbye. And Jules Gill. Goodbye. And we'll catch you next time. Maybe I'll have a voice. Maybe. It's suddenly just got, <laughs> yeah, just just got, got us. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Bye, fi- though. Find out in part two. The story continues. <laughs> oh, bye. <laughs>
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.